0: Psalm 133 verses 1 through 3. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore.
1: thank you for the rain, Father God. Uh, thank you for watering the earth and with your love, Father God. We ask you to be with all those people on the East Coast that are suffering now because of the, the flood. Our hearts go out to them, and uh, may we be with them in spirit and mind, Father God. And today, fill us with your love and your grace, and may our, our song be a joyful, joyful noo- uh, noise to your ears. In Christ's name, amen.
0: Alright, the next song we're going to sing is Even So Come, and I think most of you have figured out we're having a little trouble uh, projecting the words, but the, all the words are available in the bulletin, so if you don't have a bulletin, uh, we can certainly get you one, and you can, you can g- see what we're singing and sing along with us by reading the words from, from there, and that's, that's why we have it, so Even So Come.
2: be seated. Our reading this morning comes from Romans chapter 15 verses 4 through 7. What uh, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God.
1: desperate
0: Father, these these words that we just sang are why we're here. We believe in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that You're coming back again. Um, so just just uh, help that thought resonate in our souls, and uh, for today and every day. I uh, just pray that You would be with Pastor Tom as he uh, preaches Your Word to us. Help us to have open hearts and open minds to receive what You would want us to hear. Uh, and understand today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Amen. Good morning. morning. It's good to have you with us as we worship God together here today. If uh, you are visiting with us or if you have any prayer requests, we encourage you to communicate with us on this little form and we will follow up with you uh, in one way or another. And hope that uh, if you have any prayer needs you will either communicate them with us this way or that you'll take advantage of uh, one of our prayer team members being available during the time of offering uh, if you want someone to pray with you and for you for anything that's going on in your life while you're here today so make that a priority if you would and uh, several things going on around here that you ought to know about You can always find out more at our member, at our website, and log into our member portal, find each other, uh, news, information, et cetera. We encourage you to do that often. Um, And then, of course, youth group kicks off tonight with our 2018 manifestation of Mestival. And uh, it should be, well, messy. That's the idea right? So, Zach, if you and I were in a pie fight, who would win? There's only one way to find out. <laughs> we'll find out tonight. You ready? You, are you ready? <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, if you are a youth and you are coming tonight, I highly recommend a couple of things. Well, several things. Um, I'm planning on wearing at, at least two points during the evening, a pair of like swimmer's goggles. You know what I'm talking about? All right. Because it'll be, there'll be much less pie in the eye if you have on a pair of those goggles. Got that? And your sunglasses might not, they might look good, but they might not stop the flow. All right. Um, I recommend some kind of, shoe footwear that's conducive to activity so you might slide right out of your flip-flops with some of the things that we're gonna be throwing at you this evening. I'm gonna wear some, my river shoes, my trashed old you know, tennis shoe kind of things. I encourage you to do the same. That would be generally considered a closed toed shoe that you don't mind getting trashed. I would recommend bringing a towel for afterwards, uh, maybe a change of clothes so you're father or mother might let you get in their vehicle when you're done um, I, I, I tell this story often but I, when I was doing youth ministry in Houston and a dad showed up to pick up his daughter after our Jell-Olympics and she literally rode home in the trunk of his Jaguar he was like nope you're not getting in <laughs> so he just popped the trunk she sat in the trunk and rode home It's like that, he has his priorities I like that. I understand and I appreciate it. Um, But uh, just come prepared for, you know, whatever all of that is. If you are a parent of the youth group there's a couple things you can do for me. Uh, You can come and help set up a few of these activities and I promise unless you engage yourself in the messy game you will not be a victim of the messy game. I will not let your kids put a pie in your face. Okay? If you're helping me, you're safe. Well, as safe as I can keep you. All right. But, uh, all right. Um, what else? Okay. So, today after church, for those of you who could not be here last week, which is all but about two of you, um, there was just a lot of bad weather last week, so we, knew, we figured out who the foul weather Christians were. And, uh, If you were not here last week to stick around for our uh, October 7th open house planning meeting, we're going to repeat that today immediately after church. It takes about 12 minutes. So encourage you to stick around. If you did not stick around last week, we have it again this week, and we're going to plan that out, kind of show you what the big idea is, what we're hoping to do, and how we want to connect with people as they come in our doors. There will be... In connection with that, the following Sunday, uh, September 23rd, two of our recent visitors who have stuck, although they're out of town this weekend, but John and April are going to lead a uh, just a brief kind of greeter training, like what do we want people to experience when they come through our door? And so they're going to do that next, next week after church, encourage you to stick around, for October 7th and really any Sunday, this is good information to have with you. For example, we talked about this last week, when you meet someone in the hallway or in the, by the coffee or whatever, uh, what you don't say is, is this your first time at Hope? Because we have a founding member who about, you know, 15 years into her time at Hope, a greeter said, is this your first time at Hope. She said, no, I'm a founding member. <laughs> and um, so what you say is something to the effect of, my name is Tom, how long have you been coming to Hope? And if it's their first Sunday, they'll probably tell you, right? So just things like that, little pieces of information you can carry with you into any Sunday morning so that everyone is a greeter. Everyone is on, on speed, up to speed with what we want the visitor to experience when they come through our doors. So encourage you to stick around this week for the plan for October 7th, next week for a greeter training. Whether you plan to be on the formal greeter schedule or not, it would be good to have you here after church next week. So we'd love to have you stick around. That's what's going on. Hope Fit. Where's Lindsay? Tomorrow? You think so? Unless it gets rained out? So as, as Providence would have it. So my wife, I love her dearly, she has the worst bucket list that anyone's ever come up with. All right? Here's something on her bucket list. Are you ready? Make sausage. Um, you know, make sausage in Munich. Okay, that's a bucket list item. But if you can do it in your own kitchen, it's not a bucket list item. Really. You know, for a long time it was ride a Segway. I'm like, oh, honey, ride a Segway in Florence, Italy. That's a bucket list item. We, we did that once. So we, she checked that off, and now she's over the Segway thing, I think. So for a long time, one of her bucket list items was to go to a taping of the PBS TV show, Austin City Limits. Those of you under the age of 25, no. This is not the music festival. This is just a boring TV show that adults watch late at night, okay, um, of artists that you probably have never heard of. Anyway, she told this to her brother. Her brother and his wife were living in Austin for a little while. They figured out how the lottery works. So Monday night, Lindsay, Instead of Hope Fit, your pastor and his wife will be in Austin at the taping of Austin City Limits. And somebody named Buddy Guy, if you've never heard of him, he's a blues guitarist, think B.B. King, and you'll be in the right genre, So, which is good, because I can tolerate that. I mean, it's not Johnny Cash, but I'll get through it, right? Um, so I will not be there tomorrow night, but I will be there in future Hope Fit, I plan this is like I'm actually excited about this and I want to be a part of it, I promise. And I'll keep finding as many excuses as I can. <laughs> so Kathy gets to check off a bucket list item Monday night. All right. What else do we have going on around here? How about we have all the important people come down to the front. If you are in fifth grade or younger, we invite you down for the children's chat at this time before you go off to hope for kids. Al, what would you do? I just popped my neck. You popped your neck. You going to be okay? Yeah. You going to be walking around with your head sideways all day? No. Uh, did I hear it pop again? Yeah. All right. Very good. Okay. Well, how are you all doing? Good. Doing all right? What's new? Ethan, what's new? Um, my my daddy had babies. But the baby yeah, that was really sad. I was so sad about that. We'll pray for that in a minute, okay? Just for their comfort and care. So, yeah. Sometimes life is sad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And sometimes life is great. Yes, sir? Like whenever you get candy, that yeah. makes life great. Well, there is that. Thank you. Well, you know, there's all kinds of things, good and not so good in life. So listen to this. This is from the apostle Peter. Do you know who Peter was? Who did Peter hang out with? Jesus, right? He was one of the 12 disciples. And when Jesus went up to heaven... He left Peter and the other apostles in charge of the church, said, hey, take care of my people, spread the word that God loves them, that I died to forgive them of of their sins. And then a few years go by, and two things start to happen. Christians start to be persecuted. That's kind of a big word. Does anybody know what that means? It means that they were singled out for believing in Jesus, and that they were put into jail or prison, sometimes beaten, sometimes killed for believing that Jesus was the Son of God. So they suffered a lot for their faith, right? Did they believe the right thing? Yeah. Did, did, the, did believing the right thing mean that good things would always happen? No. No, it doesn't. So sometimes, even though we believe the right things and we, we might do the right things, life can still be sad and difficult. Right, Ethan? Yep, and so another thing that was happening is that as things got difficult for people in the church, they started to have disagreements with each other, right? So the Apostle Peter was writing to a church that was going through a lot of suffering, and he said to them, all of you, I want you to have unity of mind. What does that mean? Unity of mind. What does that mean? Does it mean I want you to all disagree with each other all the time? No. It means agree with each other. Find ways to agree with each other. You talked last week, Ethan, about finding a win-win, right? It's the opposite of disagreement. It's the opposite of disagreement. So Peter says, I want you to figure out how to have a win-win. I want you to have sympathy. What does that mean? To be nice to each other. Even if you disagree, can you be mean about it? You can, but you're not supposed to be. Does does being mean about something reflect God's heart? No. All right. Have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love. Right? What's the opposite of love? Hatred, sin. All right. So he doesn't want us to have that. He wants us to have love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. What does it mean to have a humble mind? Yes, sir. Um, a, uh, a A mind with Jesus in it. Where what we want is what Jesus wants, not the other way around. Where we try to make everybody else think that what Jesus wants is what we want. Did you catch that? All right. So unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. God wants us to get along. Why? Because he, died. because he died for us, and he wants us to be part of his family. Do you always get along in your family? Nope. Nope, not always, right? But are, does, does God want you to get along in his family? Yeah. Yes, he wants you to love, he wants you to forgive, he wants you to be kind to other people and not be mean, and he wants you to figure out a way to agree on things, right? Is that always going to be easy? No, but it's what God wants, and he died for us, and so we try to do what he wants, right? Because he loves us, and we love him. I think you get it. Can I say a prayer for you guys? All right. Dear God, thank you for these precious children and the gift that they are to our families and to our churches, and we pray your blessing over them as they study more of your word and hope for kids today. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and lead them into a deeper understanding of your love for them through Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray for Ethan's aunt and uncle in their loss of their babies, and we just pray that you would pour out your comfort and your love and your grace over them. Uh, be present in their hearts today and going forward that they might know more of your love for them. And we just pray that and all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll have a great time and hope for kids. you join me in prayer as we pre- prepare our hearts for God's Word this morning? God, our loving Father, we come before you as we come before your Word. We pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and lead us into your Word and into your will this morning, that what we hear through your Word today would not just be a matter of comprehension, but it, we would take it to heart And put it into practice in our everyday lives that we might better reflect who you are to the world around us. And Lord, as we seek to do that, we recognize that we are greatly in need of your grace. We confess to you that we are sinful and selfish. And we thank you for the forgiveness and mercy that are ours in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we lift before you those relationships in our lives that are strained we pray for peace and reconciliation where it is needed we lift before you those whom we know and love who are sick or facing uncertain diagnoses we pray you would pour out your healing mercies upon your people we lift before you those whom we know and love who mourn we pray that you would comfort them we pray especially for Troy's extended family as they suffer the loss of two uh, infants born too soon we just pray your mercy grace and comfort over that family and Lord we lift before you this nation and its leaders at every level of government we pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them we lift up our men and women in uniform all over the world. We pray that you would watch over and protect them. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way. We ask that you would bring them home safely. We also ask that you would be with their families as they are separated from their loved ones. Give them your comfort and strength uh, during those times of deployment. And Father, we pray for your church here at Hope and around the world. And we just pray that you would continue to send your word forth through your people and that it would not return to you empty. We pray for Paul and Elizabeth Branch in Guatemala. We lift up Chuck and his work in Honduras. We lift up John and Diane Davis who are in Laredo, Texas. We lift up Pastor Miguel and his wife Tatiana, Pastor Pachi Quesada and his wife Marilyn who are all in Cuba and we pray your blessing over the work you are doing in their midst in that country. We lift up Robbie and Joyce Hamd, who we support as they continue to labor in Beirut, Lebanon, and we pray for Benjamin and Monica Bailey, uh, who are elsewhere in the Middle East, and we just pray you would bless and grow their extension of your grace through Jesus Christ in that part of the world. We lift to you uh, all the churches in our EPC family, and even our own church, and our need for your grace. And we just submit that all to you in the loving, holy, and precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So for those of you who haven't been around lately, um, we finished up a sermon series that we did towards the end of the summer with some of the members of our youth group looking at uh, an old Jewish scripture called the Shema out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then we're looking forward, forward to our open house. We're going to start a new sermon series at that point, which will look at the idea of second chances and new beginnings. And then in the time in between, which is where we are today and in the, in the next couple of Sundays, we're going to try to just kind of cover the basic concept of unity and sort of just focus in on our own call to repentance and unity and forgiveness of each other and all those sorts of things. Um, so, last week we um, we looked at a passage that that talked about this theme, and we're going to look at a different passage this morning that comes from a, a, a different author. And this is written by the Apostle Peter, and Peter had a rather unusual set of gifts. He was a fisherman. He was probably rather burly and probably earlier in his life a bit crass. Um, I mean, think about a commercial fisherman and you've probably got about the right salty type of character that Peter came to Christ with. And then... Jesus has a couple of really profound exchanges with Peter, both when Peter denies Christ, well before that Peter's like, "I'll, you know, I'll never let anybody hurt you and and you know, cuts off a soldier's ear and Jesus is like, "Oy vey. You really don't get it. You don't seem to understand this whole grace thing, buddy." And then Peter tells Jesus, "I believe it was on the night of the last supper, I'll I'll never betray you and Jesus is like, you have no clue. Let me show you the the power and extent of human resolve. And before the rooster crowed at dawn, Peter had denied Christ three times. And then the risen Christ encounters Peter and asks him three times, do you love me? And so Peter, for his three denials, is given three restorations by Christ. It's a its a transformative um, encounter, really, and it takes this salty kind of dirt under his fingernails type of guy and puts him front and center to become one of the leading pastors of the movement of the gospel through uh, the Mediterranean world. And Peter sees something over the course of the few years that he's been ministering to churches all over, and he realizes that Christians are not as good at getting along with each other as they should be, especially when life turns up the heat. And so he writes this letter called 1 Peter, that's what we call it, It's, it's the first correspondence of Peter to the churches that he's pastoring that we have record of. And he's writing to them knowing that many of them are being uh, jailed and tortured and even killed for their faith. And at the same time, as the heat is being turned up, they're turning on each other. And so Peter writes, the first couple of chapters of his book are about how to hold up under suffering. Right? Just suffering was God's plan for his own son. Don't think you're exempt. Don't think you're doing something wrong because life is difficult. That's not the way it works. In fact, it's the opposite of that. When you do everything right and you obey God and heed him, you will suffer as a result. This is not the good news that it sounded like and for most people, uh, you know, do the right thing and suffer anyway. right? But it's very different, and Peter alludes to this in this passage we're about to read, it's very different when you do something stupid that's wrong and you suffer as a result than when you do what's right and good in God's eyes and you suffer as a result of that. So Peter talks about the difference between those two things, and the need for all of us to figure out how to get along. And so, in, the, in that sort of spirit, we're going to open up to the third chapter of the first epistle from the Apostle Peter, and I'm going to read verses eight through 22. This is at the point in his epistle where he has primarily turned his attention towards how we get along. So. Beginning in verse 8, Peter says this, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared If I'm not mistaken, the song "Come Together," which was a, allegedly a collaboration between Lennon and McCartney in the summer of 1969, would have come out on the Abbey Road album. Is that correct? Any Beatles nerds in here? None. No one. Oh, then it doesn't. Then I'm right. <laughs> this is easy. Come together. Summer of '69. Within two months, John Lennon has left the Beatles, and Paul McCartney would follow a few months later. Uh, ironically, George Harrison uh, beat them all to the punch. By early in '69, he walked out of a studio session, and basically said, "I'm done," and. They somehow got talked into, I think it was Paul who was excited about this, talked them all into this rooftop recording session above the Apple Studios in London. And uh, that was the last time they would ever be seen performing together. Uh, They shortly after sat down to write a few songs or finished writing a few songs. And I think think it was John Lennon who primarily wrote come together um, the credits say Lennon and McCartney but I don't think they had I don't think they spent much time in the same room together by that point in their careers and just what a hot mess success made out of those young guys and you know you think about it from a human vantage point and it do- it doesn't matter whether we're succeeding together or suffering together we will figure out how to not get along we will disagree we will rub against each other in all the wrong ways and we will have conflict and Peter by the time in his career in ministry that he's writing this letter he recognizes that he's seen Paul and, not John, but Barnabas, have to separate in their ministry together. That's recorded in the book of Acts. Um, Sort of amazing, really, that two apostles of Christ, uh, Barnabas, whose, whose name literally translates from Hebrew as son of encouragement. My Hebrew name would be a little different than that, but we'll talk about that some other time. Um, that he and the Apostle Paul just couldn't get along. They separated. They parted ways, never to work together again that we know of. Um, Peter understood that human beings have a dreadful tendency to not get along. And so when he's writing to this church that's suffering, you, you could even say it's written for the church that's not suffering. It doesn't matter whether you're hugely successful or uh, really struggling. The human human nature doesn't change or is not changed by either of those factors. And so Peter focuses in on what does have an impact on our nature, and I'll I'll try to summarize it this way. Um, there's, there's sort of a main idea that I think will be helpful to consolidate out of this text. And it goes, it's, it's pretty simple, which is good. But because Christ gave everything for us, he, he laid down his life, he stepped into suffering. He was resurrected from the dead and seated at the right hand of God, all, For you, because he doesn't want you to be separated from God for eternity. He did this for us. And so because he gave everything for us, we must come together for his glory, for the sake of his kingdom. We are to come together. Togetherness, unity, as the Bible often describes it, is to be a feature of being in God's family. And so, if that's the case, what does Peter reveal in this passage about what God wants from us as he calls us into unity? I think Peter begins the passage with a call to extend grace to each other, to be a people who give others around them the benefit of the doubt rather than jumping to the conclusion of the worst possible case scenario every time conflict emerges. He wants us to pursue harmony. This is an active pursuit. Harmony is not something that comes by sitting back. It's hard work. It involves uncomfortable conversations and confrontations in love where we approach each other knowing we can't let problems fester, we have to deal with them. We're called to be compassionate, and we saw this last week in the passage we looked at, we're called to be humble, which I always love the irony of being the one that God asked to tell you to be humble, because I love to tell people how humble I am. That's a joke, in case you didn't catch that. I am not, I'm not, I'm a Texan. I was a Texan before I was a Christian. So humility does not come naturally to me. I'm sure that's a surprise to most of you. Um, harmony is built off of compassion and humility. And as we pursue harmony, we have to resist our instincts. Okay. So I'm driving down Stone Oak Parkway. <laughs> and I'm right in front of, uh, Just I've just passed the Mormon temple on my left. I'm coming downhill. And there's, there's a guy on my right that I've just sort of eked by him. And I'm not trying to. I'm just driving, just minding my own business. And Lord, please don't let it be anybody in this room but some lovely human individual in a really fancy Audi, It was a black Audi. Um, that's the one with, like, the four circles. Like, it's almost the Olympics, but it's not. Yeah, okay. So that one, and it comes screaming up to my tailgate, cuts off the guy to my right who's just behind me, steps on it, passes me, cuts in front of me, comes up to the next guy in line, cuts in front of the guy, other guy in the right lane ahead of me and then by God's grace and providence the light at arrowhead arrow whatever arrowhead it changes and he gets stopped like slamming on his brakes kind of stopped behind a car well I'm still a quarter mile behind him the light changes back I'm still doing like 30 what do you want to do right now what do you want to do He's creeping off the block. You know he's not gonna he's he's not he doesn't have enough speed to get in front of you. What are you gonna do? Tell me. You're gonna step on it, and then what are you gonna do? You're gonna cut right in front of him. No, Jason, there's no (laughs) hand signals involved. And I I I just I can't resist. I'm in the perfect, I've got the perfect pole position to just cut him off, right? So being the deep, loving, humble, Christian man that I am, I snicker out loud, I cut right in front of him, and I'm just having a great time, and about two seconds later, a deer comes running across the road and hits the front of my truck. And I'm doing about, I'm doing maybe... 50-ish in a 40 center 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 I know it's a sin but it was so fun until until the deer runs out in front of my truck I know three other people who've hit a deer in exactly the same place it's as you're coming up and the the dry creek bed over there, they come right out of there, they come, I don't know three other people have hit a deer, I knew that deer should have, could have been there, was having such a good time. And if I had not cut the guy off, that deer would have done about five or $6,000 worth of damage to that Audi, I guarantee it. But I saved the guy <laughs> because I'm a Christian. Right? Right? Instinct. I don't know about you, but mine are not so trustworthy. Right? And Peter understands this. He says, if you're just going to follow that instinct, when you get slapped, you're going to slap back. And nobody's going to understand that you've been redeemed by the blood of another that you're forgiven, that you're eternally changed, that you are different as a result of the grace of God. And so Peter says, resist that instinct. When in doubt, keep your mouth shut, or keep your foot off the accelerator, or keep your hands to yourself. (laughs) Hand signals, anyway. And instead... Seek to be a blessing. This, is, this has to be one of the hardest aspects of the Christian faith. To turn, not only turn the other cheek, but to then seek the blessing and benefit of the person that you instinctively want to cut off. And Peter knows He knows us. Because human nature still hasn't changed 2,000 years later. We're still the same. We have the same nasty instincts. And we're called to pursue harmony in spite of ourselves. To extend grace to others. To keep a healthy perspective. This is a big part of Peter's writing. Just reframe your understanding and perspective on life. Here's what he has to say. God wants you to do what's right even if you will suffer for it. He wants you to do what's right. That in and of itself is its own reward. It will not always feel like its own reward when you are ostracized at school or at work or wherever you happen to be doing whatever is right and suffering for it. It will not feel good. It will not feel like a blessing, but the purification of doing what is right when it hurts is good for the soul. And Peter understands this. God understands this. We need to understand this. We are called to do what's right And we are called to honor Christ in our hearts. With showing respect to others, that is respectfully sharing who Christ is with other people, Um, you can turn on your television and find preachers who are kind of mean. Right? Right? God wants us to express the gospel through respect and kindness, respecting the dignity of the people we might disagree with. To be those who are respectful and to be those who honor Christ without regard for the consequences. Again, we do what's right because even if we suffer for it, It's its own reward. So extend grace, keep a healthy, balanced perspective on things, and look to the cross. As Peter goes to conclude his thoughts on unity, he takes us back to Jesus. Um, I'm going to have a few words with Peter when I get there because he left the preacher a little mess To deal with in this passage right and you would not believe the amount of commentary and disagreement in the christian history that we share over what's at the end of this passage it's kind of funny that he tells us to be humble and get along and then he drops this like big mess on the table he opens the can of worms sets it down and walks away all right here here's the deal a couple things in here that are tricky that Christ preached to the dead, what does that mean, right? A Catholic might use this to defend their doctrine of purgatory, although there's no indication in the text or anywhere else in scripture that a deceased individual has to atone for their own sin. In fact, that's offensive to the message of the cross, that Jesus atoned for our sin there and said it is finished right before he died. So it's sometimes used that way There's a whole sundry other set of ways that Christians have disagreed over this passage over the years. Let me just summarize it this way. He went through hell for you. He literally went to hell for you after he went through hell for you. That's what Peter's trying to convey, that Jesus went all the way there for you, so that you don't have to. He took that trip in your stead, and we're to follow his lead. I think, I think Peter's point in this last passage, it goes something like this. If you think that being a Christian and doing the right thing will earn you the right to not suffer, you're crazy. Stepping under the banner of Christ is a step into suffering in some way or another. It will be. There's no way around that. If it was God's will for his son to suffer in his body, it's God's will for his son's body on earth, that's us, to suffer for his glory. That's actually not the gospel. The gospel is that you're saved, you're forgiven, you're loved, You're part of God's family for eternity. One of the side effects of engaging the gospel in a sinful world is that we will suffer as a result. And so Peter says, be like Christ, follow his lead, be willing to suffer and sacrifice in order to bring about the redemption and life to the souls of others. Be willing, follow The lead of Christ. And then follow his pattern. You see Peter alluding to Noah. Again, dude, we're going to have to talk. All right? This is really theologically messy. I understand this. You probably don't care. I'm not going to bore you with the details. But suffice to say, I've said this before the physical reflects the spiritual and Peter is saying that as there was you know 40 days and 40 nights of water that came upon Noah in his time and God saved him through that water through the suffering you cannot spend that much time in a ship full of animals and eight people and not suffer I promise you um But in the same way that Noah emerges from that washing with new life, a new lease, new hope, the rainbow that that symbolizes hope, we emerge from our baptism, not the one with water, but the one by the Spirit and by the blood. We We come out washed and cleansed and made new. And God establishes this pattern that you see Peter makes, he's, he's a, he makes this weird uh, analogy to Noah just to say you see God's thumbprint in each of these. It's like this is the same author. There's, there's water, there's sin, there's washing, there's new life, new hope, renewed faith. This is how God works. And so your baptism marks you as one who has been washed by the blood of Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit to live in new life and in hope. If we follow the pattern of Christ, we are prepared to go through hell for others, knowing that we have been forgiven. You are not going through hell to earn your way into heaven been taken care of you're forgiven you're free you may rest spiritually in that truth while we are prepared to go through hell we must also be intent on going to heaven that is to know that he's got this we can rest in the power of god the power of christ listen to how peter expresses this power at the end of this passage. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. He paints a picture of a Christ who's in charge, who has all the strength of the universe at his disposal, and who loves you. He's not going to save you from the suffering. He's going to be with you through it. The strength, the power, the authority of God is alive in your heart. So that whether things are good, things are bad, you can still say, what is it, Carl, that you say when I ask you how you're doing? No, that's, you've never said that to me. <laughs> Carl, how you doing? Fantastic. You are. St- I'm gonna. <laughs> you know, I have a an a salt gun. A little, little it shoots shoots little table salt. Sprays a table salt at bugs. I'm gonna shoot you with it. Are you really not remembering what you say every single time I ask you how you're doing? except for those two. Every single other time I've asked you, but when I need you, baby, it's okay, I still love you. What you often say when I say, Carl, how you doing? You say, I'm blessed. Yeah. And then you may or may not go on to tell me about something going on in your life that doesn't sound very blissful, like what your brother's going through. Um, But you seem to usually always say, I'm blessed. I'm listening. I need that. I need that reminder, right? That whatever's going on, the truth above that is, we're blessed. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, you have called us to the impossible, to be those who find way to come together in the midst of all the human nature that is gathered together in your name, in your church. Lord, help us, fill us with your Holy Spirit, remind us of the grace and forgiveness that are ours in Christ, that we might be more equipped to extend grace and forgiveness to those whom you have called us into unity with so father we submit our hearts and ourselves to you to your word to your love to your call to bring about unity in your church and in our families and our places of work in our neighborhoods and our schools everywhere you call us you want us to be those who bring light and respect and understanding and love and so we need you in order to fulfill that calling, fill us with your Holy Spirit and lead us to live in such a way that your light and glory shine out into the world. We pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Paul had started several churches around the Greek-speaking world at the time. Many of them today are in Turkey. Um, and th- this particular one, I'm going to read you a, a passage from his letter to this church. They were in Greece. And this church had all kinds of problems. They had people who would come for communion and they would bring lunch, quite elaborate meals, and they would break open their picnic baskets, so to speak, right in front of poor people who were starving, and they wouldn't share. And and this is something you, you have to understand, the ancient world, you didn't, share food with strangers. It just wasn't something that was common. And one of the things that Christians were actually criticized for early in the church's life was for sharing food with people in need who weren't of their tribe. That was so weird, it was considered self-defeating, and there's no way these people have any clue as to what they're doing because they're taking care of people that don't belong to their families. Anyway, in the church, in Corinth, they weren't doing that. They were keeping their lunches to themselves, and they were feasting right, literally right next to people who were starving. And Paul writes them a letter. And that was just an example of their problems, right? And Paul writes them a letter, and he says, you can't do it this way, guys. You're, you're doing it wrong. You have been transformed by the blood of another. And so you can't have this hierarchy within your ranks. You're all equal. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And one of the things that Paul wrote to this struggling young church, and one of it was the famous love passage. Um, Ironically, it's actually more of a rebuke than anything else. He's telling them, like, All the things like love is not, he was effectively saying, this is what you're doing, and that's not what love is, right? Another thing that he told them was how to approach the Lord's table. That this is the place where our unity is restored if we come to the table in the right frame of heart. And so I want to read you these words that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and let them give shape to how you come to the Lord's table today. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Most, but not all, scholars, Christian scholars agree, not all, because we're Christians, we don't agree on anything, really, but most of them agree that when he says, if you don't discern the body, you're not doing it right, that what he means is that we are all part of the body of Christ. We have to recognize that we're all bought with a price, and that that is our basis for equality. There are no rich or free or male or female or Greek or Jew or slave or whatever, doesn't matter. All of that is washed away by the blood of Christ. We are equal in his eyes. And when we come to his table in that spirit, we are an example of his unity. So as you come today to the Lord's table, uh, we will invite you to come forward whenever you are ready. Take a piece of our gluten-free matzah, dip it into the cheap Jewish wine, and partake of the Lord's table. Because it's not about the wheat and the water. It's about the blood and the love of Jesus Christ for you. And so when you come in the same spirit as everyone else, recognizing our common need for His grace... You come together in his name. So when you are ready, come forward and partake. I should remind you, this is not Hope Church's table. This is a table of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and it is open to all for whom he has died for the forgiveness of their sins. So when you are ready, come and partake. Father God, we thank you for the humility that you have built into the gospel that we must come to understand that we stand before you not in our own power and strength but only by the merit of the blood of your son. And so we are equal. We are one bought with a price brought together in your name fill us with your holy spirit and help us to come together in jesus name we pray amen so the song that we're about to sing again uh make us one the first set of uh words one with the father one with the spirit one with the son of god one with our sister one with our brother one family by the blood Let that take a place in our heart and guide us this week as we stand together and sing this one last song. a date for that song about three pages of information condensed into a two-point type somewhat fairly not too recently yeah because i was thinking as i was singing that like this could have been like a paul and ringo kind of thing but uh jesus culture but close well you know the apostles john and paul and George, and Ringo? No, I don't think that works. Will you take God's blessing into your heart today? Let it give shape to who you are, to how you live. Take it with you from this place into the week ahead. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. May you go in his peace. And stick around if you can for, in about 10 minutes, we'll have a meeting to cover the plan for October 7th.